0: They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45-4. a whole burst through at to it. 20. Steps the tackle. Runs left.
1: 25 still to 46-yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on and he's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones needs the tackle. And the
0: Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super
1: Bowl. Super Bowl.
0: Rams Talk Radio, with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart.
2: Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo, my co-host, my partner in crime, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart. It's not our usual post-game show. The Bunny Heads guys covered last night. So you have to feel all, all you know, what's, what's the word, um, into trying to break down all the little things about it. Want to so talk about a win, a 24-10 win for the Rams over the Bears on Monday Night Football. Mike, how you doing?
3: Hey man, I'm doing real good, uh, DC. Uh looking forward to uh this time to chat about our beloved Rams. And uh yeah, I'm excited about it. It's getting it's getting wintery out here, so that's been neat to see a change in the weather
2: define wintry in bakersfield for me i mean i'm still <laughs> i've been i've been, well, it's been a know, long time it, starts, since I've been in
3: the winter, it in starts dropping down in the 50s and the 40s at night that's getting wintry for bakersfield
2: oh, oh my gosh i'm in the 50s <laughs> low 50s in the day we're gonna hit 25 degrees this weekend and
3: oh no you know, sir
2: so there goes all my flowers goodbye uh, time, time for them to. My annuals are going to pass away this weekend. Time for my grass to start going dormant. So, not. Not my favorite thing, man. For the weird lawn care nerds in the world. My green, green lawn. I don't know. Nothing yeah, to do with myself we'll there. In
3: the lows in the 50s.
2: Lows in the 50s. Well, so.
3: you, you got the. the the, the Midas touch. I'm sure your grass is going to have that nice winter rye on it, or something, to keep it green all winter.
2: Well, you, well, the winter rye. I mean, that's just perennial rye, period. But I mean, it'll. I have um, turf type tall fescue that will. It'll have some winter, some winter death to it this year if it, if it gets too cold. But it's a dark, dark green already, and, and nice. uh, my my bluegrass is going. isn't going dormant, and of course now I'm finding some Poa Inua in there, which it means I still have some reasons to go fight a war (laughs) out there. Some of starting to pop back up so I can kill that. And yeah, I do have some rye in there. But in the north, you know, it gets it just gets too cold for the stuff to stay there long. The the, the fescue will stay green all year. And they'll be among the first things to green up in the spring. But the fun part of the of the whole, it's like, this is like our Super Bowl, you know, it's like our, if you're a lawn care freak, you know, you this is kind of like your Super Bowl, you're not going to do anything else athletically in life, you know. Right. So, this is kind of like my little Super Bowl, my little nerd out, and I'm sad because it's just about done, it's, all, it's almost November, it got real cold here, so it's ending a little bit early, and then for the next four months, I'm going to be thinking about what to do with my lawn next year. What am I going to do? I guess I'll have to think about Rams football is dead. Right. I guess so. <laughs> there you so, go. You know, and, and I know you're getting busy. You're getting ready to go start coaching up here again. You guys are getting ready to finally play. What's going on there?
3: Yeah. So, uh, you know, we got the, the okay a couple weeks ago at the district board meeting that they were going to allow fall sports to resume at least conditioning. Uh, and the season starting in January. So I have to be somewhat come back from Christmas. So uh, the start day was actually tomorrow uh, that you could start conditioning up to eight hours a week. That's it. Social distancing, all that good stuff. And then, uh, you know, doing the temperature checks and, and so on and so forth. And then by November, no, December, uh, I believe it's December 8th. If everything is working, going, still staying, numbers are low, and things like that, we'd be able to actually get back to a more regular practice with the pads and all that good stuff. So uh, that being the case, if that if that works, actually December seventh, and then you know we'd have a number of weeks, and then our first scrimmage would be on December thirty first, and our first game would be January eighth. So. If everything stays on track, uh, again, we'll start on the second. you know, that should give us plenty of time to at least get in you know condition uh, for a season. Uh, I mean,
2: personally, what do you think of the go to do it?
3: Personally, at this point, I would say 50, 50. But because of eventually you have to test guys, uh, but test being at least some numbers I've heard, $180 per person, how are you going to do that? And then are you just going to do it once at the beginning or how do you not stop or stop the spread if somebody has it because... Based just on temperature check and asking a question, that's not going to say if you are symptomatic or not, or you could be asymptomatic and pass the, the virus on that way as well. So that's why I just kind of lean in like it's still some unanswered questions on how we do it, because as long as social distancing, how are you riding buses? Uh, are you going to allow fans in the stands? So we got some of those questions that still have to be answered. But I think just like anything else, California is waiting for CDC by way of the governor down to our local area uh, officials.
2: So basically, same old, same old, pretty much. It's just going to be touch and go. And depending on what cases are looking like, you may have a season, you may not.
3: You may and may not, because, again... We play a couple teams from out of area, so that's another dilemma. What if a team in the Fresno area, stuff up there starts getting worse? Or we got a couple games down south in the L.A. area. What if things down there get shut down or something like that? So it's just like today. I saw Bethune-Cookman decided they're not going to do sports this year because it just the risk, they say to the players, is just too high. It's not worth the risk. Uh, Personally, I think that locally, because the district maybe felt like they were getting pressure from some certain parent groups or something, that they would just kind of give it a go and then allow the governor governor or the local CIF officials to shut things down. So I think it's their way to say, well, it's not us. We're going to kind of give you what you want, but. We do know for a fact when you kind of open things up like they're starting to do more and supposedly these next uh, six to 12 weeks are supposed to be most critical and crucial and you see numbers increasing, it would seem like we might want to hold off. But it is what it is. We're going to try to stay as safe as sound as possible. And, you know, I'm prayerful that we do have a season because, you know, we got some some good seniors that this is kind of their year to shine.
2: But, you know, anybody who had at least a semi-functional brain knew, come winter, (laughs) you're going to see cases kick up. There was nothing we were going to be able to do to avoid this, no matter what the politics say. It's a freaking virus that spreads between people pretty easily. I mean, we knew this was going to happen, so it kind of surprises me that um, A, that California waited to do it in the middle of winter for you when it's warmer outside. Earlier, I doesn't. I don't understand that, but two, I don't understand um, the planning behind it because it's like, well, you know, you got college. Colleges are going back to school. You don't think college kids are going to be more are more of a of a danger? You got, you know, of course the pros are doing it. So I know pros can test more. I get it, but it just seems like it makes more sense to me to have done it earlier, to have the season in a normal time instead of later. And now I know you're coaching in that, that's yeah, your job, so I can't really expect you and should I expect you to, to really answer anything about that. I don't want you being critical of the people you work for or the state you got to deal with. But it just seems to me that this wasn't the most, um, shall I say, this wasn't the smartest plan put together out there just want no i mean that. i
3: agree i don't think that it's you know going against my employer or the state you know this is just a personal opinion more or less based on from a parental standpoint uh the the timing seems interesting really in the state in general you know in the summer things are locked down uh they move to being able to eat Uh, at the restaurants, outside patios and things like that to two weeks ago, I think it was, they kind of opened up the salons and uh, barbershops and things like that where you could now be inside. Then they opened up inside dining with, you know, still some safeguards. But again, the timing just seems a little backwards if early reports say that, things will probably be worse in a winter situation it seems like we're doing to even movie theaters now going back open this past weekend so yeah the timing just seems interesting across the board Uh, I guess part of me personally feels it's almost like what the heck we'll just let it try to maybe burn itself out if you will the dilemma for me is who wants to be that person who succumbs to COVID-19? Not me.
2: Yeah, I mean, we could say, well, people can treat it better now, so on and so forth. True, but in some cases, we don't even know what pre preconsistent conditions we might have. We don't know a lot of things. So, better... You know, I think we're trying to do the best we can to mitigate risks as much as possible until there's a vaccine available, and you know that might mean having to pick and choose your battles there. I mean, stinks! I just think they should have done this in September with everybody else. I don't understand the point of holding them back. I just don't. I don't understand. I'm kind of wanting to vent about it, but yeah, this is not. (laughs) This is not. California Prep Sports. This is the Rams podcast. I mean, I guess so I guess we should get to right. that. Um I mean the Rams are Rams are five and two. 24-10 win last night. I was a happy they won the game. I mean I just want to throw this out there, Mike. You know, at four and two, we're seeing criticism about the team because even at four and two, they beat the NFC least. And there were a lot of things about this Bears matchup that didn't look good for the Rams, especially with the Bears linebackers. So there's I think you know a 24 10 victory. And it was and it really wasn't it was it was more dominating than that, really. The defenses the defense did not give up a touchdown. It was, it was an offensive, you know, a Robert Woods fumble, brought back for a touchdown. it just wasn't one of those things where you can say that it was all that competitive of a game. The Rams controlled much of it. But yet there was something about the game that still felt off to me. I don't know if you felt the same way. I don't know if it's because the Rams didn't try and put up 40. Or if we're not seeing some of those great Jared Goff numbers to see, like Or if we're still seeing some splits in the offense or or even the occasional defensive mistake. I don't know what it is for me that I'm feeling like there's something missing, but it does seem like something's missing. I mean, again, great win, great win. The Rams, this is a pretty dominating performance. I guess I felt, I walked away feeling like it could have been more dominating. And I have, I have, I'm I'm debating myself by the way, on this too. I I have two different point of views that, I want to run past you. But one of those is they they could have made this game a this could have been like a 41-10 game, 37-10 game, you know, 38-10 game. Something even more dominant than it was. What do you think?
3: Well, absolutely. Absolutely. I I, I think that, you know, I don't want to say Fool's goal, but I'm going to use a little bit of fool's goal you always have to be careful you know uh when you say this is a great team yada 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 that's not a great team us oh, based on the schedule I always try to remind myself you know that you're playing another team that has professional football players that have been vetted, scouted, have played in major programs. That's why it's always hard to say, well, they don't have an O-line. They don't have a D-line. They don't have It's like, well, at the end of the day, whoever you may think is the worst team actually has quality players, and it usually comes down to a word called chemistry. Do those guys play well together? And so having said that, I think the Rams just seem like they're in this kind of up and down, not real consistency, if you will. You know, it looks like, oh, man, it can be a great this. It can be a great that. And then with the changes last year, uh, and I go back to say, maybe again, this is going to be a mulligan year for most teams just because of this COVID-19 environment everybody's had to deal with. Yet, there are glimpses that we could do more and then we don't. And it's funny because a lot of our guys, you would say, well, they've gotten their contracts and salaries somewhat situated. Uh, And you would think like that would put people's minds at rest but I think at the same time while it's putting your mind at rest that hey I should be able to take care of my family's 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 family you're still now thinking about maybe the injury factor and I'm telling you as many injuries that have happened this year even with our own squad that's probably in the back of some of our guys minds with the lack of fans and all those things saying all that to say I absolutely agree it would seem we would be able to consistently put up more points, especially when we catch a pretty good Bear team that seemed like they were having an off night.
2: Well, I mean, the Bears are 5 and 1. And then they came in with some not so great wins, but their schedule had been getting tougher week by week. It's not like they were facing, you know, cream puffs the entire way through. They're, they're, they're a solid football team, and at the very least, they're well coached. They may not have all the personnel they wish they w- did have in certain positions, but they are well coached. And I think that that's, that's a positive. It's a good win. That's a big win for them. The Rams have, I believe, I think I heard them say it last night, the toughest remaining schedule in the league right now. They're going to Miami this weekend, and you cautioned me on this during the offseason. I thought Miami, that game is going to be a walkover. And I'm basing that off the the fact that they stunk, that they were coming in, and they are rebuilding. That they're probably a year away from really competing. And this Miami team is playing a lot better than I think anybody thought. But you can you cautioned me just on the weather alone. Miami traditionally plays the Rams tough, so I'm looking at this now thinking, crap, <laughs> this is not that's not an easy game. You know, we were th- we had this marked as a W a few weeks back. Even though you cautioned me that would be a tougher game, and now it's it's not so easy to, to as W. The Rams should win this game, sure, but you know we there were some injuries yesterday. There are some inconsistencies. Part of that comes from being a super young team. Part of it is uh, some things that I know we're going to want to talk about. And there's still a lot of really good things. The Rams found different ways to win yesterday offensively. They, you know, they, hey, you got your third string tight end coming in making plays with Tyler Higby out. This is a team that has a lot of useful pieces, a lot of weapons. They just—I don't know what it is. They're not. The fanboy wants to say they're not as exciting. That's the fanboy. <laughs> okay. The well, fanboy
3: too is going to agree with you.
2: Yeah, the but the analyst part of it is saying there's just something that is off about them. There's something off about them. I mean, I, I look at Arizona, for example. In Arizona, they are a young team as well. They've drafted well. They've reloaded quickly. They have you know, an exciting quarterback in Kyler Murray. And even when they lost a couple of games here recently, I knew they were going to be fine. They're going to turn this around. They're going to be a problem. And then, they, you know, of course, they came back. They wiped out Dallas, which apparently everybody's doing now. I mean, I don't know why right. Dallas couldn't have these problems against us. But... And then they come back and they beat Seattle in overtime. 5-2 and two, in playoff position. The whole division right now is in playoff position, just about. So, you know, the Rams don't have, to me, that kind of that feel that they're going to be fine. Which is weird, because it's a team that's had three straight winning seasons. They're a team that has a lot of pieces. Something just feels off and then shouldn't take away by the should, should not at all take away from the fact that the Rams were dominant for much of this game last night and that defense is to me a, a better defense than last year even with the pieces that aren't there anymore but can that defense carry them when the offense isn't what we hope it would be I don't know what do you think I mean where would you go Wow first?
3: that's a hot that's a hot take uh defense better than it was last year? Really? With Littleton and some of the other guys that well, make I mean, plays? Listen,
2: I'm not talking about individuals. Individual talent to me still wasn't. That was a better team. But I'm talking about how they're performing in key games right now. Their 5-1 and one team comes in that has some talent. The Bears have some, some talent. And they just shut them down. They shut down the Giants, of course they extinct too. Uh, the Reds can shut them down. The 49ers, for a chunk of that, you know, for the, f- the first half, were all over the Rams' defense. And despite the fact that Rams' defense was tired and worn out, they really closed down the 49er offense in the second half last week. They kept the, they kept the Rams in the game. The Rams had their opportunities to win that game. In the Bills game, same thing. They locked down that Bills defense and put, like what was it, 28 points in the first half? Or first half plus a drive? They shut them down. So there's a lot to like about how this team is performing as a unit. I mean, I don't see them getting run off the field the way they're performing like they did last year against Baltimore and Dallas. I don't see that happening. I'm not talking about talent. I'm just talking about how they're playing together as a unit. But tell me I'm wrong. I'm 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 fine being wrong. I'm okay with that.
3: Yeah, I I, I uh I wouldn't say that you're wrong. Uh, I I just think that I would like to see. And again. At the end of the day, you got new coaches, you got new schemes, you got new new things. It's going to take you got new players. It's gonna take time for those things to get a little more cemented and things like that. Typically, unless you are a seasoned team, uh, like we saw in the great dynasty years of you know buffaloes has some great defense phillies has some great defenses you know the saints had some great defense back in the day you know even you could say the niners had one one of the top defenses last year lost a lot of guys this year but with the things that are happening with the changes free agency you just can't sometimes maintain that high level of Just pressure I mean Baltimore has been able to do it Pittsburgh was able to shut Derrick Henry down and have been known for their defensive prowess so I just think we got new guys new coaches new mentality it still takes time to gel and it should naturally take a little more time when you haven't had the natural uh you know, off season and things like that. Right now is probably this once the season actually got going, the most time these guys would probably have spent with each other. So hopefully that continues to build that momentum that will carry game plans into uh, a game and be effective as opposed to, you know, mental errors, things that are happening like that. So There's a lot that, that obviously, as you said last time, we can nitpick. You know, ultimately, you get it in the win column. That's good. Uh, I just think we both are feeling the same thing. Well, what happens when you really play solid teams? How do you fare against them?
2: And then we're going to find that out. I mean, even in a team like Miami that is playing above its head. Those teams, when the Rams tend to play down their opponents a lot of times instead of up. And so it'll be very interesting to see how they go to Miami. Like you mentioned, humidity, even in November. I didn't even know that, really. So we have questions about Miami this week in our Miami preview. Um, And yet, I'm going to be honest, I i don't know many people who thought the Rams would be 5-2 at this point this year. We thought there was a chance to be 0 and three after the first three games. We were really wrong. True. Many people were wrong. There were a lot we weren't the only ones who said, you know what? This schedule in the beginning is not pretty. And no one expected Dallas and Philly to, to come out the way they did. And you know, we knew Buffalo would be tough. But I don't know many people because of that early schedule, especially, thought the Rams would be five and two after seven games. I, I didn't. I thought maybe four and three. And I thought the back end of the schedule would be where they, where they kind of made their move, made it run at the playoffs. And now with the Cardinals being better, than we, than we knew they'd be better. We didn't know they'd be this much better. With Miami being better, all of a sudden, much of the schedule looks a lot tougher. You New know, England looks easier. Of course, the Jets are the Jets. But, I mean, you still have, again, against the 49ers. Two against Seattle, two against Arizona, and those are coming soon too. You know, Arizona and CL are coming soon. This is not an easy schedule for them. They had some nice bounces though, but five and two. I'm surprised. I'm surprised in a good way, a good way, and that that's a great way to go. And that's, I guess, you know, if anybody thinks we're being kind of down on the team, I'm not. I mean, I'm just saying there was there's some good there. Another thing too, Mike, I was thinking about was. And I saw somebody mention this on social media. Why would the Rams just sort of shut down the playbook and become really conservative in the second half of 24-3? to 3? Why would they do that? And I know you maybe feel a little bit different than I do on this.
3: I'm kind of waiting to see. Well, my thing is... Yeah, I don't know. Certain coaches have an actual mindset of what is, I guess, casino rules, right? Things that are unwritten rules that which you try not to do to other teams, embarrass, so on and so forth. So maybe Coach McVay has a unique respect for Coach Nagy, and maybe they have a different relationship. That yeah, you know, we're not going to try to rub it in. The thing is, I take from the Bill Belichick tree is you better score as many points as you can because you just never know when your offensive defense hits a snag. You know, you're like the Seattle Seahawks who clearly were dominating the Phoenix Cardinals up until basically, you know, I don't know, the last maybe 10 minutes of the game and end up losing in overtime.
2: Was that an insult to Phoenix there? To the Arizona Cardinals? <laughs>
3: Well, I mean, that's
2: right, Arizona. <laughs> They've only been the Arizona Cardinals for like 20 years.
3: I know, right? <laughs> Which shows you, I don't know, ZTE something. But, uh, I, it's just funny. Yeah, that's right. Arizona Cardinals. Sorry about that. Uh, and my uncle and family lived there, so yeah, how did I forget that? Anyway, slip of the tongue. But, yeah, at the same time, you see these games where it looks like everybody has it in control, and then the next thing you know, you're losing by a field goal or you're losing it overtime because you somewhat took the gas off. The other flip side of it is maybe that's not what happened. Their defense made some changes and just kind of start shutting some things down, and we couldn't do what we did the first half. But, nevertheless, uh yeah, I'm sure I got a couple of things I want to add with, with that. Well, no, I mean,
2: at this point, I'm, I'm thinking the Rams. I think to me, it was more of a sign that they felt their defense had the game in control in terms of how they performed in shutting things down, being conservative in the second half. You know, if the defense is in control, which is. Work the clock. Let them do what they do with the Bears' offense, and not show teams more of our playbook, not get them more film. We're just gonna just get us just get out of here as fast as we can. Try and keep people healthy. That's kind of how I saw. I saw more of a sign that they felt the defense had this thing wrapped up. But given the fact that we haven't seen really many great, dominant Rams offensive performances this year, it's easy to then say maybe. Coach you know mcVeigh's getting too conservative, maybe he is more willing now to just kind of be less ballsy, so to speak. I don't know if I buy that, but I can
3: see the argument, yeah, I mean I could yeah we we can make a number of arguments uh i I think you know, and this is just something I'm observing. it just seems to me that, you know, Colt seems to have a bent or he's more bent towards just throwing the ball. Everything is pretty much throwing the ball. We have, it seems, a pretty effective run game. And then we just, okay, if we ran it one time, we're going to go automatically to play action and then to play action again or a jet sweep or uh, a sc- the screen game. And it's like, okay, why why are we just not feeding these running backs and giving the defenses that we're, we're going against just a good dose of our O-line coming off the ball downhill, hitting you in the mouth, which also wears on the defense, mind, spirit, and soul. And once you start going to the, the pass game, incomplete pass, you're saving time. Uh, or giving the other team more time to catch up or do some other things. Because if you remember, the Bears drove down there. You know, you got the one interception from Taylor Rapp, and then another Mm -hmm. time you had something else happen. So it wasn't like they weren't in position to actually score. So that's the thing that kind of concerns me as well.
2: On the same token, they didn't. They they shut the game down. They... Powered through, but there are still questions, you know. And here's a couple questions I'm just, I'm just seeing kind of filtering through. Cam Akers, where was he? Second straight game, no touches. And you just dropped this guy in the second round. What's going on there with Cam Akers? That's a question that's on my mind, even though they didn't need him. They didn't need him. The team ran pretty well last night. I mean, we're talking about overall they rushed for what? 161 yards, 4.7 yards a carry. They didn't need him, but I'm, I'm all about weapons too. And I would have liked to have seen the Rams get him more involved in the offense. So this, this is your second round pick, and what's he
3: doing? Yeah, there's something that's going on with that type of situation that obviously naked eyes like, okay, something doesn't make sense here. However, it's not like you didn't draft Daryl Henderson you know, high to be a guy last year. So maybe that's the case. Now maybe they're seeing, well, maybe we have too many backs. So, again, I I lean more towards having a back know that he's going to be the guy and go in there and tote the ball, tote the mill, as they say, and make plays as Instead of a guy thinking, okay, well, these this is my series, I'm out. So you go, you get cooled down. Then it's like you're back in, you get warmed up. You cool down, you warm up. There's just a lot that goes on mentally that you really have to be dialed in when you're doing the switcheroo. You know, it was a year that me and my counterpart, Pat Tara, we kind of split time For a number of games until they figured out, okay, student just needs to be the dude in there. But when you're going, okay, I got first quarter, you got second quarter, I got third quarter, you got fourth. You just kind of go, you're not as dialed in as you could be if you just know you're in there. So I don't don't really get the idea. Typically when you're talking about a two-headed monster or something like that. You usually yeah, have some do, big back, Lindell White, small, fast guy, Reggie White. Mm-hmm. You don't have kind of the same backs. You mean Reggie Bush? and this, I mean, Reggie,
2: yeah. I Reggie White wasn't a small running back. <laughs> no, he
3: wasn't. Uh, yeah, thank you for catching that. Uh, I was talking about was- Reggie earlier with my boys. but I'm trying to think. what yeah, Reggie wait, wait, Bush. For the
2: Titans, the Titans had Lindell White for a little bit with Chris Johnson, right? Am I thinking that right? Yes.
3: Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So, you know, they call themselves fire and ice, you know, and so that makes a lot of sense. But when you have similar backs that are all similar in size, similar char- characteristics, it's like you kind of have three of the same thing, which, okay, that's not making a lot of sense. But you also look at a guy, Malcolm Brown, and you go, the dude averaged 5.7 yards a carry, you know, but he runs hard inside and outside and you go, well, you actually could just ride with Malcolm Brown and you have a guy who can do it inside and not so much outside, but you have what you need, what you would, what it would seem like for the LA Rams offense to be successful. But, uh, yeah, I, I still don't understand the whole idea of this three-back situation. just doesn't make a lot of sense. So, I'm, in,
2: I'm more in favor of a team that can make it work. I like lots of different options. But, I, you know, of course, we all loved it when Todd Griller was running the ball over and over and over people as well the field. We liked having that focused part of the offense, and he was a special at his peak. Todd Gurley was a special back. Now, for you know these three backs, Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, and you know Malcolm Brown, they all have different strengths. They're all a little bit different of a back. And do do you think that it's possible for the Rams to kind of develop a running game around all two, all three, or is it really just not something that's workable in the game of football?
3: Well, I I just think it works better when everybody knows, okay, that's the guy. Now I'm going to work hard to dethrone or take that guy's position as opposed to, hey, well, we're all kind of the same. Hey, what's up, Daryl? Go get yours. Hey, what's up, Malcolm? Hey, you go get yours. Your turn. It just kind of makes it, to me, a little less serious because if you know you're only going to be in there a certain series, well, you can go drink more Gatorade and just kick back, watch the game. But when you know you're the guy, you, you're you staying dialed in and tuned in to what you need to, to do. Now, I know people say, well, you're supposed to be a professional. OK, that's true. But like with any job, if. They are never counting on you to really do anything. It takes a special individual to say, "Well, you know what? Let me go mop this floor again, even though they could really care less." So I just, I would just rather see you got your A back, B back, or your C back, whatever you want to do, or maybe it's backed by committee where it's per, it's based on the game plan. Okay, we need. Uh, Daryl Henderson, because we're planning to do a little more outside run. Oh, we're going to pound it more inside, so Malcolm's maybe that guy for the game. You know, uh, Cam Akers, hey, we want some speed. We want to get a guy out in space. We're going to drop him the ball and just let him outrun or juke people and things like that. I don't know. Was Cam Akers even activated for this game? Yeah, he was active.
2: Yeah, so... Uh, but. I you know the the thing that we haven't talked about. If you, know, you go back to last year when Daryl Harrison barely got any touches, you know what was the reason why the Rams didn't use him? Then they didn't use him much at all. He looked lost at times in the Rams' offense, and maybe just maybe, yeah, maybe it's the same thing for Cam. Maybe Cam doesn't quite have the Rams' offense yet. Maybe they don't trust him with blocking yet. And and maybe that's why he's not in there, but. You know, you, we all know how Sean McVay is. We'll have a guy who's a star one week, and he's not really that big a part of the game plan the next week. That's the, that's the question mark I would have, though, especially because of this. You know, this is a team that's missing pass rushers. They need pass rushers. We all know that. They're, they, got, they got Chicago four times last night, but we knew going into this game that, especially talking with two different Bears podcast teams that, the Bears' offensive line had issues. I'm thinking, overall, the Rams haven't even a pass rusher, and there were pass rushers available in the second round, and they went after Cam Akers. I know this is armchair quarterbacking here, but when you've got two capable backs in Daryl Henderson and in Malcolm Brown, isn't that a luxury compared to Your linebacking core having issues and just basically overall needing more pass rushers. This was a draft that had pass rushers. And the Rams didn't go after that pass rusher. They're relying on on linebackers that were basically on the bench. Guys are developing. It's just, that's on the top of my head, that's what I'm thinking about. And of course, again, I'm, I'm playing armchair quarterback, Mike. I'm totally playing Archer quarterback. I could be missing something completely in what the Rams are thinking. But what are you thinking about that? I mean, did that cross your mind at all? And there's the awkward silence of a live podcast when your partner is (laughs) gone. There he is. He's back.
3: Oh, man, me and these buttons today, man, it's been all day with these buttons. But the thing (laughs) is, I was saying, uh, we talked a lot about this in the pre-draft and and leading up to the draft. What is the Rams' actual strategy? And then we kind of talked about, well, I guess we'll see it unfold based on who they drafted. So, again, you have changes in coaches, which means, well, we're going to change philosophy To a degree, but if you don't have the certain players to work with the style of defense you want to play, you then have to go back and figure out, well, this is who we have here. What can we do to be effective on defense? That being the case, that's why you have all these changes when a guy like a Wade Phillips, who's been around, seen it all, would be able to easily adapt. The roster to a scheme that could be most effective. Again, these guys, yeah, maybe they've coached in the league and things like that, but it's a little bit different when you're really trying to run the entire defense, uh, come up with the, the calls, the the schemes week in and week out, and then trying to teach that to what are predominantly new guys in the NFL. So you put all those things together, it doesn't make for a recipe for huge success. I think you're looking for just steadiness. And again, I believe the belief is as long as you have Aaron Donald healthy, you'll be able to do some things, whether it's put a little bit of pass rush uh, ability on teams, be able to at least opt around a little bit, do all these things a little bit. But you're not seeing any, like, just standout performances from guys, you know.
2: I mean, and I want to see that, you know, I think we're spoiled, honestly. The 2017-2018 offenses and, and games overall, they were so exciting. And the Rams have had some exciting performances this year. But... The twenty four ten win, the the loss last week. You know, even as dominating as that Washington game was, and it was complete domination. It didn't have that feel to it. You know what I'm saying? It didn't have that excitement. And it, the Dallas game had excitement to it. The Philly game had excitement to it. Part of the Bills game did, but just there's been something off about this team, and I can't quite put my finger on it. And that's even despite the fact that they're a five and two team, the three and zero oh at home. They still have five more home games. They've got a lot going for them, and I do like this coaching stuff. I do like the job McVay's doing. I'm just wondering how much of it's youth, how much of it is, um, how much of it is still figuring some things, out. how much of it is the fact that you know you, you're playing some, some, you know, the Bears are a good football team. They are a good football team. They're they're five and they're not five and two for a reason. They're a three and one away from home. I mean, this—they're—they're they're not the Jets, okay?
3: Right, they're, right.
2: This is a good defense, and I just—I don't know. Just there's just something I can't put my finger on. Maybe if, hey, fans, maybe you can figure it. Maybe you got a different perspective on it. And again, as I'm saying this, don't get me wrong. I'm happy. I'm happy with the team's progress. I don't think anybody's expects me five and two, but you just want to go. I have every game feeling like you know, hey, there's, there's something, there's, there's, there's an X factor that is with this team. I'm not sure this this team has that X factor yet. I want to know if
3: they do. How's that? Is that, is that well, better? Let, 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 yeah. Well, let me ask you this: Would you think a guy, uh, Leonard Floyd, had ten tackles, two sacks, and two tackles for loss? And Did, three quarterback hits?
2: Would I think he would? Yeah. Well, yeah. So I mean, I I would have thought in this game because game. he's playing his former team. He tends to to come and go like that. I would have thought that. Yeah. But would yeah. I think so, he would do it normally every game? No. He's right. inconsistent.
3: So when you look at that and go like, "Wow, that's an impressive stat." You know, that's an impressive stat line. But when you kind of look at the 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 game, you wouldn't really think that all that happened uh would you think that Taylor Rapp had nine tackles? I wouldn't. Would you think that Michael Brocker's had 10 tackles? No. No. Yeah. See, so it's 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 weird in that you have what you look at the stat line and go, "Wow, these guys balled out." But you know, if I want to look at this stat sheet right now and I was watching the game, it's not like I saw Michael Kaiser end up with 11 tackles. But he had 11 tackles, eight solo. But there's not a whole lot of and it doesn't have to be flash. I love steady, but it just doesn't seem like I don't know, maybe like you say nitpicking armchair quarterback. It just seems like, whether it's defensively, things are going well or not. Little things like Jalen Ramsey makes a big stop on a third down. Mm -hmm. But the dude was beat twice for clear touchdowns. All Nick Foles has to do is just pretty much throw it to the receiver. But he ends up with a big play on a third down, an interception, and you would think like, oh, wow, you know, Jalen Ramsey. You know, he had eight tackles, but yet he really was burnt for two touches. If the ball is just thrown a little bit better,
2: yeah. yeah. But even so, no one's perfect, and no, in you're no. even the even even the greatest of the greatest will get beat once in a while. And that's oh, yeah, true. but
3: but Jalen Jalen's. You know, some of the things he's doing are uh seem like maybe a little schematic or I'm gambling a lot because maybe you just think you're playing against a guy that was a rookie or things like that, but he's jumping routes and looking in the backfield. Yeah, he did that that second one last night. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a guy who's trying to put things on his stat sheet because That's not what the defense calls for him to do on that situation. But if you're trying to, you know, get your stat sheet up, you kind of do this cheating thing where you kind of guess. And hopefully if you guess correctly, based on maybe think you, you know, the tendency or formation you've seen in film or, or uh, on your game plan sheet and you go, oh, this is that play. They like to run and you just jump something as opposed to just playing technique of this is what the defense calls. This is where I need to line up. This is where my assignment is. This is where I need to be on this play. If I'm in zone, I need to be in this zone. If I'm man, I don't need to lunge at this guy. I need to, you know, work on my feet. Don't grab him, play with my feet, and then uh, D the defender up. But I just see little things like that. If the other team hits those things, That's where you get in trouble, and I think that's what you're saying you don't see because, again, against good teams, are they going to miss that guy? No, they'll hit that guy and do different things, and then it's like playing a 49ers where you look like you just don't even match up and shouldn't even be on the field.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't know. So, no, no, I can't get the words out even. I'm not even sure what else to say there. I mean, this. There needs to be, in my view, more of a. I don't know. I don't know if the team who knows who they are. Honestly, who who are the Rams? They win differently every game out, and their defense mm-hmm. operates differently every game out. We can't say for sure what their strengths are because. They're inconsistent. They've been inconsistent. They're, that defense look great sometimes, and sometimes they look awful, especially it's the run, and sometimes it's the pass. You're not really sure on the pass rush. You're not sure where you're going to get it, but you, somehow you do get it in, on, against weaker opponents. Offensively, you look great in the running game one week, then you're trying to pass it 30 times over the field the next week. So I'm wondering where the Rams are going identity-wise, who are the Rams going to be? I've always viewed the McVay offense as a run-first scheme. That's where you want to go. You want to be running first. You want to get Jared Goff in a position where play, where play action, which is a strength, is right where he wants it to be defensively, you want to be a team that matches up against anybody, can can clog the run in the middle because you're playing teams like Seattle and the 49ers and, and now Arizona, and you want to be able to cover wide, which is why you went and got Rams to be going. You want that shutdown corner to give your inside more freedom. You got two really great safeties as well. And that's another thing too. Safeties. Tyler Burgess was having his best game of the year last night. And, unfortunately, the news is today that he's broken his ankle. He's out for the rear. He's out for the year. And with Jordan Fuller out as well, all of a sudden the Rams are not all that deep at safety. Although you mentioned a name that's familiar to you. <laughs> you want to go ahead and talk about that name a little bit?
3: <laughs> no. Which no. one is that? Uh, you tell me, Mr. Hughes. Yeah. Yeah, Fresno State, Mr. Juju Hughes, Hughes is now backing up. He might crack that lineup and never look back.
2: Does he have what it takes, do you
3: that's, think? That's right, absolutely. All you need is, uh, I talked to a good buddy of mine who coached him and said, yeah, this is a kid that they can play at that level. So hearing that from a former uh secondary person who was a high pick played many years uh with the buffalo bills and for him to say yes i knew going into camp that he had an opportunity just getting camp and he could probably do some work but now unfortunately given injuries he's right there uh second team and hopefully no one else gets injured You, you would love to see someone get on the field but you want them to get on there, you know, because they've earned it and not so much because of injury. But the fact is, that's how I got on the field as a rookie, four games of my rookie year. And then pretty much about after the eighth game, my second year, I was in there for the long haul. So injuries are a part of the game. And a lot of guys, that's how they eventually get on the field. And then they never look back. But saying all that. I, I just hope that, one, we continue to improve, continue to win, and gives us some things to kind of whine about, even though we're still winning. I mean, at 5-2, and two, it's a good record, but you got some games coming up now that we get to see what everybody's made of from the coaches on down. The thing
2: to me, though, is – And this is the the positive, in my view, to take out of this. This is the team that has lost their starting safety. They've lost their third-round draft pick, a safety, as well. They've lost Michael Kaiser Arnoff throughout the year. They've been without Sean Robinson, who was supposed to be one of their core run stoppers the entire season. And by the way, it looks like he's going to be activated. They've had problems in the kicking game. They've now released Sam Sloman. They bring Austin McGinnis back, and he's in, he's in there with Kai Forbath. This is a team that has some issues. Tyler Higbee, he's been hurt. Kay Maker's missed a couple games, and now he's not really involved in the offense. We've lost Joe Noteboom, who was starting, and now... I mean, this is a team that has... Not been steady personnel wise, and yet they're winning. And even though they don't look quite right, they don't. There's something in my view they're missing. The fact that they're five and two as the second youngest team in the league, and they've got for the most part most of their core guys. They're they're healthy. I mean, there's a lot to grow with, and I'm gonna look. Ahead here because, you know, when we started the season, I, I I told you I felt they were building more for 2021, and I still feel that way. Mike, I still feel like this is the year they're kind of getting the roster settled and looking towards 2021. And what a nice surprise it is that they're five and two, and I think a five and two team with a lot of room to grow—that's a good thing. Not everything about this, this podcast is is really a whine. It's kind of just breaking things down in my view and and then saying, you know, despite all these things, the Rams are in a real nice position.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree that they are in a great position giving again, my my pre preseason a testament to or testament to that they would a little above 500 I think I we I think I ended up at nine and seven. Uh, but they're only four games, four wins away from being nine a nine-win team. Uh, so as we also noted that as you get more in the bank, a win here, win there, you start getting our seventh game. So one away from Basically, your mid-season, uh, the mid-season point, eighth game, and then after that point, you're hoping to keep knocking them down. That you're now working downhill. That maybe you can somewhat rest guys that are banged up with you know a couple games left in the year. You kind of know you're already in certain places as far as the playoffs. And you let those guys get healed up a little bit and refreshed and ready for the playoffs. So when we talk about this two-game, two-season time, that's what it is when you have the regular season and then you have playoffs. So you want guys to be able to get into the playoffs a little fresher than before. So it's going to be interesting. 'Cause I, I you know, I know we're talking a little defense, but I just think offensively, again, it just seems like Coach uh McVay is heavy on the pass game in spite of how well the run game is is going. So
2: I mean there, that there's still me. there are still things to be concerned about. You know, the deep game is always a concern for me. The running game Even though the 160 yards rushing, I want to see it really help the passing game take off. And that's something we didn't see a whole lot of last night. that could have been what Chicago was doing. I would love to see, honestly, I would just love to see a Rams blowout. i like to see them just take a team apart and demolish them. You know, just to (laughs) see... And the reason why is I want to see them on all cylinders. I think... There, there it is, Mike. An hour of discussion, and I'm kind of arriving to it. I want to see this team put together a complete game on all cylinders, and just take someone apart and destroy them. I mean, it would really give us an idea of, of how good they can be if we were to see that, at least for you know just just one game of it. And it just seems like every timeout, every win, there is something that works for them. Last night, they did a great job running the football. They had you know. Solid defensive play, great kicking game, you know. And in the Philadelphia game was something a little bit different. The Dallas game was really game plan. The Washington game, dominant, dominant defense. I just would love to see a game where every aspect is together and on it and having their best performance. And maybe that's yeah. Hard. And
3: I mean, it, the truth is. Are you going to have a best performance out of all three phases of the game each and every week? Probably not. But the goal of any coach at any level is you got to win two of those three phases because that is going to set the tempo and be the difference typically in the game along with certain affordable plays. So I think we could go through a few of them. Rams made them and turned into interceptions, stops, and Chicago didn't, which ended up stopping them on drives and making their offense look like they're really struggling. So, giving all these things and thinking of all these things in just a nutshell, yes, ideally you want to see your team go out, do well in a kicking game. You want to go out, do well in... Offensive game. You want to go out and do well defensively, putting pressure, turnovers, you know, short series, three and outs, offense, sustained drives, make plays when you have to, kicking game, go make a big play, hecker, drop the ball inside the one foot line, and so on and so forth. That now, at the end of the day, you not only win, but you've won in a convincing manner. I don't know that we've seen that per se I mean you could say they they did a little bit early on in one game, but yeah that's nothing that says that that's how we play. I mean little things you know why is our offensive line jumping off sides all the time and there's no fans like that stops drive like how is that happening? Why are we jumping off sides so much? so concerns. I mean,
2: great questions to ask. All right. one I don't know if I, I mentioned it. Ashawn Robinson. Looks like he'll be back this week. He was intended to be or run stuff from the middle, so it'll be great to see him get finally on the field wearing the uniform. Uh, we're waiting to see what the Rams do at safety at this point. I mean, I guess we're going to find out. Hey, who's our starting kicker next week? We'll find out. Okay, we'll be back later on this week with our preview of the Miami game. One of our, one of our favorites. Um, we'll be back from the Perfectville podcast and see if you remember who he is. In the meantime, you can follow Mike on Twitter at one 23 Hopefully, he'll remember to you know take his mute off for you. You can follow him also <laughs> <laughs> through the papers now as his Bakersfield Drillers get ready to take the field sooner, hopefully, rather than later. Could follow me on Twitter at DC You Could also follow the Rams Talk team at Talk Rams. Butting heads was on last night. I'm sure they gave a lively, uh, lively podcast. For you. And in the meantime, we're out of here. Take care. Have a we're great out of one. here.
1: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement.